Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group. Today's show continues our SL2 Experience series featuring our resident expert on the subject, Colin Nolan. Hosted by Molly Nolan, this episode discusses the different development and support levels as part of the leadership model. We'll cover what it means to be a D1 and the right support needed for continued success, as well as the different characteristics and misconceptions that are attributed to D1s. Don't forget to stick around for the end where Colin puts Molly's knowledge to the test with a pop quiz for you to play along with. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show! Thanks, Carter. Happy to be back with Colin Nolan to continue our SL2 Experience series. Colin, thanks for joining for another conversation. Absolutely. So as most of you know, Colin is a Nolan Consulting Group coach and our resident expert on the topic of SL2 here at NCG. Must be nice to be an expert at something, Call Hey. Um, I think I'm like the the master, or the, what is it, the, the jack of all trades, master of none. There you go. I'm, I'm the jack of all the SL2 styles, maybe. So last time we met, we talked about SMART goals, which we discussed being the first skill of a situational leader, which we got some great feedback on that conversation. So, And we love to hear good feedback, and any feedback um, for that matter. So we do appreciate those who listened. Good and, and bad. Good and bad. Exactly. So we appreciate those who, who listened and uh, gave us their input. Um, if you've not taken a listen yet, please do so, especially before you listen to this this podcast episode, because we think it gives some good foundational learning. Before we jump into today's topic, which is different learning styles and leadership styles. And today we're starting with what's called D1 and S1, correct? Yeah. So we'll be talking about the first developmental style and then how to appropriately lead, lead someone who's currently experiencing that style. Yes. Awesome. Uh, before we jump into this topic, can you give us a two-minute refresh on the SMART goals topic that we talked about last week, just kind of what the acronym stands for? Sure. So SMART goals, specific, motivating, attainable, relevant, and trackable. So the, when you have a SMART goal conversation with someone, you want to come out of it with a goal for them that they're motivated by, which means it brings them energy, uh, that they can achieve, and that matters to the organization. People want to do meaningful work. And the goal needs to have a specific and trackable context to it, which gets written down. So uh, is it clear whether the goal has been hit or not, right? Have we won or lost by a specific date? So if it has those three middle pieces, motivating, attainable, and relevant, which is the conversation piece, and you write down the specific and trackable win or loss by this date, you got a SMART goal. There definitely is a difference, um, I know, after having done that podcast with you and then hearing some of those real-life applications, there's definitely a difference between a goal and a SMART goal. The SMART goal it makes it feel real. Uh, thanks right. for that quiz, by the way. Those, mm-hmm. uh, those lingering SMART goals have not yet left my mind <laughs> from a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that's what a SMART goal does, I think. It's, it sticks to you. It's the anti-New uh, Year's resolution, which we, we, I think we figured out on that podcast. Yes. Yeah. Write it down. All right. Thanks for that refresh. So let's jump into today's topic. Uh, what is a D1? So once we have the SMART goal, we need to figure out where someone is at towards achieving that goal. Likely, if you just created a SMART goal, this is going to be the first place where someone is. They're mm-hmm. at D1 towards that. So, But before we get into it, I kind of want to peel back and take a look at So when we say D1 through D4, we're really diagnosing the situation for where they're currently at towards their development. And we need to diagnose two different things in order to figure out what label that they get, D1 or D4. Okay. Uh, the first is competence. So 
competence is obviously how competent are you at, at doing this goal or task. Um, and then the second is commitment. So both competence and commitment are then further broken down into two different categories. So when we talk about whether somebody is competent or not, we take a look at their transferable skills. So transferable skills are anything you are bringing to this goal or task that will help you, right? So if you get a new job, mm-hmm. communication skills, good communication skills will help you. That's a transferable skill, right? Um, knowing the company culture and systems is a great transferable skill. So there are a lot of people do bring a lot of transferable skills to their goals or tasks. Um, a lot of goals or tasks are linked to their past experiences, right? You get a new job because you've been doing well at a different job. Right. That different job has, you get a lot of transferable skills to the next one. Um, so that's the one piece. The second piece is goal or task specific. Okay. Have you done this activity before, this goal or task, right? Do you have experience doing it, the work of the work? So that's... So if you're essentially a rookie at it, you're probably... If you've never done something before, you must have zero goal or task specific skills. Okay. Okay. And by done something... So think about... So goal or task... It's not goal or task skills. It's goal or task specific. Okay. So the easiest example that I that comes to my mind is so when it comes to running a 10K race, Right. Well, I've run a 5K race, right? So that's goal or task experience, but that's not goal or task specific. But the specific, it means, have you done exactly a 10K race before? If you have not done a 10K race before, then you do not have any goal or task specific skills. Okay. But what you're bringing is a lot of transferable skills because you've done other races potentially, right? So... We should add a note to our listeners that we, we make a lot of references to the running racing world just because it's, it's something yeah. that we do often, uh, and it, it makes sense for us from an up, um, application standpoint. But as you listen to this, think about things in your life that you do on a regular basis or passions or hobbies or skills. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. But just to kind of give some, some clarity, why do we keep mentioning running and races? Running, I, I think, and working out in general, it's a, it really is a good example for to uh, the uh, SL2 model because that the mindset piece is so critical. Mm-hmm. In, it's a mental game. Right, exactly. And as well as having the competency to do it, which so it, it kind of lent itself well. Um, so that's the competency piece. Okay. Goal or task specific or transferable skills. Do they have either of those? That's going to dictate their competency level. Then we have their commitment level. And commitment is broken down between motivation and confidence okay so somebody may want to achieve something like i want to you know sell this job because i make a commission on this sale right so you could say that they're motivated but does the thought of of this activity bring you energy or does it take energy away that's kind of how i want you to think about the motivation piece here right if you're really motivated for something like the idea of accomplishing it it drives you Mm -hmm. right um, then there's the confidence piece. Confidence, not to be mixed up with competence. So those kind of sound alike, and they're very di- different. They're on the different spectrums here of of, uh, of uh, competence and commitment. So we'll I'll have to try and make be very clear with my pronunciation. So motivation and confidence. Do you think you can achieve it? I may want to make this sale because of commission. Mm-hmm. I have commission on it, but the idea of it does not bring me energy because I've, I'm in a uh, a string of bad, you know, maybe some bad beats. Um, and I'm not confident in my ability to do it either. 
So I would have a low commitment in that case. Got it. So, you want it, but you're not sure if you can get it. Sure. So it's the combination of this competence and commitment which really outlines the D1 through D4 spectrum. So when we look at D1 specifically, it's where most people start. Not all people, but where most people start. And this is someone who has high commitment, so motivation and confidence, but low competence, likely because they have zero goal or task specific skills. So they could have a lot of transferable skills, but zero goal or task specific. So they are a D1. So, so that's a D1. So what does this look like in the real world? So this is someone who is brand new to the goal or task. They clearly, because they're, they're engaging in it, mm -hmm. they're likely going to be excited about it. So let's take the example of like a, a new job, right? So I'm being promoted to from you know, a lead technician on my crew to the leader of a different crew, right? I've wanted this for a long time. I've seen other people do it. I was really motivated to get it. I'm motivated now to do well in it. I've seen other people do it. It doesn't look that hard. So I think I'm pretty confident in my abilities to achieve it. The idea that brings me energy. Um, I have a lot of transferable skills, but I have zero goal or task specific skills because I've never run this crew, run a job before. Now, this is the, the, the individual might not know this, by the way. Right. They may not know that they have zero goal or task specific skills. They may think they do. And that's their transferable skills that they actually right. have. Part of that feeling of being qualified for something, you think that you can do it. It's, so what's really happening here is the reason they're confident is because they think their transferable skills are enough. That's why they, they bring that confidence piece. Um, and they, they are not able to really distinguish that this is a brand new goal or task. Or maybe they can. They can go, yeah, this is new, but I think I'll get it. They don't fully understand yet. So I think you've used the term before, which has stuck with me. The D1 is the enthusiastic beginner. Right. It's my first day on the job or my first day with this new task. I'm, I'm and either, I, yeah, I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm willing to learn and I'm excited. Or I, I think I'm going to be okay here. I'm, re I'm ready to get going. Both of those could be D1. So what are some misconceptions about a D1? Some misconceptions about a D1. Well, people don't tell you that they're in D1. So, so um, there's a lot of mystification going on with the D1 because they don't fully know what the goal or task looks like yet because they've never done it, right? Mm -hmm. And But they're using the terminology and the language and they're telling potentially their supervisor that they've done it before. I've got this. Right. And the supervisor is hearing them, and they're thinking, "All right, well, I'm not going to tread on toes. Um, I'm gonna, he says he knows how to how to uh, run this crew, and I'm going to. I've seen him as a technician in the past, and he does a good job at everything else he does. So I'm going to let, let him go. Or you hire someone for a, a position. Right? So you hire someone for a technician, and they've run a paver in the past, right? So and they say, "Yeah, I know, I know how to run a paver. You go, All right, great. He's coming in with a CDL, some great experience." He knows how to run pavers. Let's put them on our, our big machine and let's let's get going. Let's hit the ground running, right? So this is where the immediate error lies, though, because both the uh, leader and the learner don't under don't quite understand where they are at. Correct. And it ultimately there's you give no, it a couple yeah. of weeks and people jump in too quickly. Yep, and then there's a crash and burn scenario. So what's the appropriate way yeah. to be leading a D1 or to get someone to understand what that D1 is? Maybe it starts with the SMART goal. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, so just to give you a little more kind of a visual of where a D1's at. So like a D1, imagine a mountain climber, right? And, I, you know, I've climbed mountains in the past, so I haven't climbed Mount Everest yet, but I've seen pictures of it. I think I'll, I'll be fine. Is that a smart goal? <laughs> well, if, there, if there's a time uh, to it, yeah. Um, of course, it needs to be motivating and attainable. But um, so I'm a mountain climber. I've climbed mountains in, in the past. I've never climbed Mount Everest. I've never been to Mount Everest before but I've seen pictures. So I think I'll, I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard stories. I've, I've really, I've read the descriptions of what to do at what, what, what days I've mimicked it before. Uh, so I think I'll be fine. So you, know, you fly to Tibet, you, you land, you're, you're at a viewpoint where you normally should be able to see it, but you can't, there's a cloud covering, right? So you know what the goal or task is. The goal or task is to climb Mount Everest, mm-hmm. but you've never done it before. And you think you're going to be okay, but you can't. You haven't. You haven't seen the mountain yet. There's there's a cloud. There's a, there's a mystification happening. You can't fully see it yet. That's a D one. It's yeah. That's the goal or task. I I can tell you what the goal or task is, but I haven't fully experienced it yet, so I can't fully describe it. Now, if I'm someone, if I'm talking to this person on the phone and I'm far away, I'm going, "Are you there? You're you're seeing Mount Everest, right? You know what we're talking about? Yeah, I'm here." I'm I'm ready to climb it. I've, I've climbed mountains in the past. I'm good to go, right? There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Correct. So, what's the best way? So, I guess when the disconnect is maybe realized, uh, what is the best way to be leading in D1? Well, so the first thing is you never want to assume okay. that someone is a D4 or something. So, but, and we haven't gotten a D4 yet, but is fully competent. Say, you can never assume if they're a new hire or they're new to a goal or task. You need to pause first and confirm. So that's the way to lead a D1 is to take a timeout and go, hey, I, I love your enthusiasm here. You bring a lot of transferable skills to the table. You know, you've been with this company for a while, so you have a lot that's going to help you. But you've never done this goal or task for us before. Maybe you've done it for a different company. We've done a, little, a lesser job for our company, but you've never done exactly this specific goal or task for our company. Mm-hmm. So you, you're not fully competent yet. Maybe you'll get there very quickly, maybe within an hour, right? If it's a small goal or task, it could take very little time, but you're not there yet. So I'm going to treat you as if you're not fully there yet. And I'm going to lead you a very specific way. And this, in just the technical terms, is called the S1 leadership style. Correct. So, so we're matching the D1 to the S1. So the S1 leadership style acknowledges the transferable skills, right? You're bringing a lot to the table, but those are just transferable skills right? You acknowledge them because a lot of D1s come in very excited, ready to go. And if you just come and go, you don't know, any, know anything. Here's what you need to do. You're going to lose them. So you need to handle the, the mental side of the person first. Go, hey, I, I love what you're coming here with. A ton of, of motivation and confidence. It's great. It's going to suit you really well, mm-hmm. right? But you haven't done it for us yet. So here's what you're going to do. And then you're going to move into a very high directive leadership style. So directive leadership style is telling and showing how, staying connected, giving lots of feedback, right? It's basically a one-way street. Does the, the no-show, do-review concept come into play here? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, D1, S1. So S1 is, is the leadership style that, we, that you want to do with D1. It's all no-show, do-review, okay. right? Do this task this way at this time in this manner. Call me as soon as, as you're done. Tell me how it went. I'll come and I'll inspect it. I'll give you feedback on it. And we're going to do it again the next day. There's no tell me how you think it went. 
There's no, what do you think we should do here? There's no, I trust you. You can't. They've never done it before. I can imagine that there is some difficulty that can come out of leading in D1, especially someone who, you know, thinks they have the transferable skills, is motivated, thinks they can do it. Yeah. So can it be tough to lead someone, someone if they, if they big, haven't recognized the diagnosis themselves? Someone with a big ego can really not like being directed on something that they think they know how to do. They might feel like they're being micromanaged to some degree. Exactly. So giving high directive leadership to someone who already knows the goal or task is labeled as micromanagement, right? Um, funny enough, when you give this high directive to someone who does not know the goal or task and needs that direction, they feel supported. When really you're not doing any kind of supporting at all, you're just giving direction. Um, so yeah, when you got someone with a big ego who thinks that they're a D4 or thinks they're competent and they're not, that first conversation piece is really key. Mm -hmm. So hey, I, I appreciate that you have experience in this role with other companies and you've succeeded in that role. Um, there's no doubt you'll succeed here, but I need you to work with me here for the first couple of days, weeks, what have you, and I'm going to treat you a little differently. It's what we do in here. the past. It's, it's just, this is what this is how we train. It's how we're going to learn. Um, you may feel like it's a mismatch at times, and I apologize if that happens. But we need to make sure this happens, or else, you know, I, the worst case scenario is we give you too much rope, and we're not on the same page with how things get done, and then, you know, a bit we have a bigger problem on our hands. Right. Oh gosh, that communication is so critical. Yes. Just setting setting the table from the very beginning. So I think we should bring this into the real world a little bit with you, Colin. Uh, take me through when you were a D1 in something. Yeah. So, I mean, we've all been at D1. We've all been all over the development level spectrum here, right? Um, but we all know D1 pretty well. We can kind of think about it. So it's, it's when you first thought of doing a new goal or task, mm -hmm. right? So... Something caught your eye, a job caught your eye, an activity caught your eye, and you were like, hey, that, that, I really would like to go down that road and, you know, do that triathlon or do this, take this responsibility on for as my role. So there's two examples that I use in my, when, I, when I teach this um, that I could relate to really well. Uh, the first is doing disc profile debriefs. So I've always been fascinated with disc. It's always been kind of an interest of mine going back to, I mean, decade and a half. And for someone who doesn't um, know DISC, give us a good... Yeah, so DISC is a behavioral profile assessment. Awesome. Um, the, the ability to, to know what your strong suits are, your, what your strong behaviors are, and to know when you need to, to utilize those and to raise other behaviors that you're not normally strong at has always been really, very appealing to me. Um, so I've been around it for a long time, and I took a DISC myself, and I loved it. I thought it was like a key to how to manage myself. So I, I was really passionate about mm -hmm. DISC. And when I started working here and the idea of doing DISC debriefs came onto my plate, I was all over it. And not only, I mean, I, I, everyone wants to, to do what they love, right? And I love talking DISC. So the idea of, of doing that with clients and helping them to utilize DISC was super motivating. I had studied DISC a lot. Um, I had read a lot about it, so I was confident in my abilities, right? So zero goal or task specific skills. I'd never done a disc debrief before. It's a brand right? new assignment for you. But I, I wasn't thinking in terms of that. I was thinking in terms of I've read a lot about it. I know a lot about it. Uh, I've been around it for a long time. I'm really excited about the idea. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, in, my, you know, in your mind, when you're a D1, you're not going, huh, is this a transferable skill or is it the actual skill? Like that's, that's not happening. 
it's the leader who's doing that, mm-hmm. right? The leader is the one who has to make and that And there's distinction. no fear yet. There's no fear there's of me, no fear. maybe I'm not qualified for you're this not, or maybe I can't do this. You're just purely motivated, right. like, I got this. Right. You're not even thinking in terms of transferable skills or goal or task specific. But that was all transferable skills. My transferable skills were, you know, I knew the, who the clients were that I'd be, I'd be doing this with, right? I've been around them. So mm-hmm. that relationship helped. I had been around DISC for a long time, right? Those were all transferable skills that would help me, right? Whereas if I had zero DISC experience and zero client interaction before and had zero transferable skills, it would have been much more difficult to get competent. So the more transferable skills you have, the less time you likely will be in D1, D2, and so on. You get there to D4 faster. But at that time, yeah, fully a, a D1, very inexperienced and excited about the idea. Um, and then the other one for me is uh, I use uh, triathlon. So um, I, as we've talked about earlier in this, in this uh, episode, we, we do a lot of running. Um, and the idea of doing a triathlon first uh, was suggested by someone. And I, l- I love the idea. You know, it's a new challenge, new, something new to conquer. Absolutely. Um, I've done a ton of races before in the past, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's still just working out, still endurance. How different can it be? Um, I was on the swim team when I was young, and I can handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done long bikes before. I'm sure I can handle that. Just so, gotta put them all together right, in just, one day. And I'm, how I'm, hard can that I'm be? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I've biked long distances. I've swam, and I've run long distances. So in my mind, I'm going. That those are all goal or task specific skills, right? I'm not thinking those terms, but like that's what my mind. I, I've done this before, right? Right. Um, but what I did not realize that those are transferable skills. Okay. And obviously, I was motivated around it. You know, new challenge. I love new, new challenges. And I was confident that I'd, I would do okay. So that looked like, so the, the next step in both of those cases were scheduling my first disc debrief with someone and signing up for my first Olympic triathlon. There you go. Funny how you started with Olympic as well. You could have just gone for the sprint and brought that true. goal a little bit. I don't know exactly. Made it a little bit easier for yourself. don't really know what we were thinking at that no. time, but yeah. Olympic is a bit is a bit more of a challenge for those who mm-hmm. do triathlons out in the world. And then you went on to do an Ironman. So let it be known that we we down the road. We're not yeah, yep. Well, thank you. Those are I think some good some good examples. Yeah, and I'll in the future series podcasts we do on this, I'll keep those examples. Uh, well, I'll keep those in mind, and I'll that's a great idea to see how you, we progress exactly through. as we progress through. Yeah. I like that. I think that's that's smart. And it, I think we'll also hit on in future episodes too, you know, ha- the, the time progression from a D1 to a D2, 3, and 4, what does that, you, you don't stay in a certain development level for an exact period of time for everything. Correct. It depends upon the person, there's the no task. There's no prescription. There's, there's no, the this, this person shouldn't be in D1 anymore. They should be in D2 by now. And again, it comes that, back that to that, that crucial conversation of, or that communication point is that you have to stay in kind of in contact and be understanding where the person is at every point in time. Yes. So do you have a couple of questions for me? Yes, absolutely. This so that makes me nervous always because we don't, we don't prep them and I go in here blind. Well, this is how I'll know if I've done my job well, is if you, you can answer these because these are not rocket science, hopefully. So Maybe just, they it are. It just makes you look bad then yeah, if I fail. Yeah, probably. Okay, so I'll do my best for your sake. What what are the are the signs, Molly, that you would look for in a D1? How would you know someone's a D1? Someone is a D1 is coming in and they are excited, they're motivated, there's no fear in this new task or kind of role that we're putting them into. Uh, 
they know that I can see that they've done some things before, but they, I ask them, have you actually done, done A? And they've not quite done A, uh, but they are excited and they're motivated. How did I do? Yeah, there you go. So, so it's the enthusiastic beginner, right? They're new to the goal task, excited about it, don't know what they don't know yet. Right. There's the, the cloud in front of the mountain. What does a D1 need from their leader? A D1 needs someone who is giving them, who is a high directive, who is going to do a no-show, do review, mm -hmm. who is going to set the tone from the very beginning. This is where we're at. This is where we need to go. I'm going to help you through it. Even if you know some things, we might mismatch for a little while, uh, but this is how we do it here, and I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So they're, it, as you said before, I think someone who is a true D1 will feel the support. Someone who doesn't realize they're a D1 might feel micromanaged during this time frame, uh, but it is high directive instruction to support them. Mm -hmm. That was a long answer. So, yeah, it's good. So why do we acknowledge transferable skills first? I think we had to acknowledge transferable skills first because clearly those skills are what got the individual to be given this new task that we clearly think that they are capable potentially of achieving it or doing it. Um, and it's why they likely feel the enthusiasm and they're motivated by it because they, they themselves believe that they can accomplish it. There's, mm -hmm. there's high confidence there. So, but, so why, do, why do we have to acknowledge it on our, as, as the leader? Because we're prepping the battlefield, right? Correct. So we, we're about to come in with a lot of direction and we want them to know that, that we recognize that they can do certain things, that, that we're not teaching them mm -hmm. from the ground up, but that we have confidence, we know they are capable, they've done great things in the past, they will do great things moving forward, um, and that's why they're here. Right, we're trying to get them primed to, to learn, right? Okay. Um, what, are, what are common mistakes when diagnosing a D1? Common mistakes? Uh, one, I think not having any kind of communication at all. Sure, that's always a mistake. Um, which would well, lead to you, like, which would lead to assumptions. Right. So keep going down that path. So what do we assume? We assume that they are capable. They've done this task before, mm -hmm. and they don't need us. We D ones get misdiagnosed. That they they got it. Right, because they have an image of what the job looks like in their head. And we know what the job looks like in our head, right? Because we're, we're the leader. But if those pictures don't match, that's where you're in trouble. Exactly. Right. And we, we're communicating, and the words we're saying are as if they're matching, but they're really, they're, they're not. Right. Which I think even goes back to, again, to, I love just bringing back SMART goals, because SMART goals sure. lays out every single piece of the task that needs to be created or accomplished with all the details in place and helps to kind of set the tone for the conversation. Mm -hmm. So this last question, I haven't really prepped you for in terms of when I was covering the, the, the topic, but I think you can use your intuition here. Use your transferable skills. Do um, and when a, when a D1 is having a huddle with their, with their leader and there's S1 leadership being given, mm -hmm. break down the conversation in terms of percentages. Who's talking more and what percentage of the conversation are they the one talking? So the leader, the S1 leader is talking more. Correct because they're giving instruction. They're not, they not sitting back and letting the D1 learner take control. Um, 
So I would say, I don't know what an appropriate amount is, 75% of the time. Oh, we're close. 80, 80% is roughly, so 75 would be good too. So, so a yeah. 75% instruction and then a 25% learner is asking questions or um, sure. trying, to, trying to just communicate. Asking questions is a great one. It's probably the majority mm-hmm. of it, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that, that was pretty good. I paid attention. Yeah, good job. Thank you. Colin, anything else? I think we've, I mean, those questions have kind of cemented it in my head, but anything else we should add for our listeners as to how to think think about a D1 um, and what, an S1 uh, leadership style? Gosh, I think the, the last thing I'll say is, so we all have the, the same way that we have dominant um, be- traits and behaviors, right? We, we, we have dominant hands, right? Everybody has a dominant leadership style, how they naturally lead. Um, if, if S1 leadership, high directive leadership, is not your natural style, if you're more of a manager or a leader who trusts people, gives them rope, delegates, doesn't want to micromanage, um, this can be a difficult type of person to lead because you, it's going to be un, uncharacteristic for you, right? right. You're, you're going to feel overbearing. And in your head, you're going to go, I'm micromanaging them. But really, you're not. You're giving them exactly what they need. And this does feel like support to someone who is a D1. High directive feels like high support. So that's why that, that two-way street of let's make sure you're really a D1 here so that way when I'm giving you high directive, I know that I'm doing the right thing. And I can mentally prepare myself. And it's like it, you're adapting your natural behaviors, right? It's got to be work. It's forced. What does it, if you're not naturally an S1, what are some word tracks you can use, right, mm-hmm. to be an, an S1? What are some, what are, build some structure in. When are your huddles going to be, right? Force it. Don't, don't allow it to hopefully happen. Force it, right? When are your huddles? How often do you talk with new, new hires, right? Um, make it so that you're, it's very deliberate. That's kind of, I think, the last piece I'll say. We are all different um, levels of the D and the S at all different parts of our life. Um, and we just, where we are adapting kind of at all, at all times, which is uh, something we all have to work at. Well, Colin, thank you. Uh, this was a good a good conversation. I'm excited for our next episode where we talk about D2, uh, both learner style and S2 leadership, which I think will help kind of carry on the conversation and we'll learn more about your DISC and your triathlon experience as a part <laughs> of it. All right, well, Colin, thanks so much and have a good rest of your week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm located outside Philadelphia, PA. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.